somebody one more chance to tell him that he's good all the time. Come on, lift up your voice and declare he's good all the time. Sing, O barren. 
If you know, you know. Sing on barren. Has there been anybody singing a song? Has there been anybody expanding your territory? Has there been anybody stretching your tents? Has there been anybody preparing for what God seen? Oh, barren. High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. Woo! Glory, glory, glory! You can be seated for just a few moments. I want to take a brief opportunity tonight to say a great big welcome to all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us. Rock Church, I need to borrow your hands and your voice for just a moment. Would you help me make some noise for all of our guests that are here in the house with us tonight? Let them know how much we love them. Amen. Amen. We're so excited that you're in the house of the Lord tonight. What an awesome privilege to look out and see a handful of the saints from Calvary Apostolic Church with us tonight, all the way from Bradenton. Come on, give them a hand clap of welcome tonight. Amen. We're so excited they're here. God has been doing some tremendous things in this house, and we are so excited about it. Amen, somebody. Amen. Now listen, y'all. some of y'all got turkey on your mind already. But you need to get Jesus on your mind tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Stand with me, if you will, as we prepare for the word of the Lord. How many of you were here this weekend and blessed by what God did in this house on Sunday? Aren't we thankful for the move of the Holy Ghost that we felt in this place on Sunday morning? And Sunday night, I encourage you, if you were not here, uh, you need to go back, jump online, and uh, see what the Lord was doing in this building. There has been a powerful vein of the Holy Ghost in operation here in the church. And we spent a few days leading into this past weekend in prayer and fasting. And how many of you felt what God did through that time of prayer and fasting? And uh, over the course of the past week, I, uh, uh, I got this friend of mine. Um, we got this thing going. And, uh, you know, she's cool and everything. And I kind of like her a lot. And uh, she just happens to be my lovely wife. Man, I'm so glad I got to marry my best friend. And uh, our hearts are knit together. And uh, this past week as she was praying and fasting and uh, she began to share with me some things that God was dealing with her about and instantly I knew that was a word for the church. And uh, so I asked her to be prepared to to bring the word of the Lord to this house tonight. How many of you thank God for a praying first lady? Do you thank God for a praying first lady? Now, how many of you thank God for an anointed first lady? She doesn't just pray, but she's anointed by God. And I have the utmost confidence in her 
And uh, she is a strength to me. She is a pillar in my life. And she is a pillar in this church. We honor you and we love you so much. And we know that God is going to use you tonight. Would you put your hands together one more time and give God a great big praise as the First Lady of the Rock Church comes to deliver the word to us tonight. You may be seated. Some of you are already saying, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I'll have you stand in a minute. Can everybody hear me okay? All right. As I, well, first of all, I thank God for every opportunity I have to stand behind this desk. I count it an honor, and I, I... truly love each and every one of you. I pray for you, and um, I just pray that tonight, what God's given me, I can share with you, and it will help somebody. Thank you, Bishop. I love you. I got the better end of the deal by marrying, by Mary. I married, okay. <laughs> He's the best. He's the best. I honor him. I trust God. I trust him with my life. As I was preparing to speak tonight, I thought to go back and listen to the last seven messages from the last two weeks, the last 14 days. Boy, has God been speaking to us. Yeah. He that hath an ear, let us hear what the Spirit is trying to say to the church. Amen. So I'm going to just do a quick recap. I don't think I'm going to have you all here very long. I don't think. (laughs) November the 8th, Pastor Sferlaza, when he preached Losing Control, He was speaking about Jonah, and he asked us a question. He said, can we go to the person who has intentionally hurt us and say, I'm praying for you, and I hope God blesses you. Another thing I took from that is backsliding is never an option. Don't run from the process of God in your life. Pastor Sferlaza, where's he at? Up there. Hey, hey. That's right. Backsliding is never an option. Another thing that's never an option is divorce. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. It is the will of God that we work through our, our struggles, that we reconcile, restore, but that's another topic for another day. So... Um, One thing he said is he thanks God for the storms. Uh, He's thankful for God's mercy in sending storms our way when we are headed in the wrong direction. You can't sleep the storm away, Jonah. You can't avoid the process. And then he said, imagine Jonah being so stubborn, so hard-headed that he won't pray. He won't say a word. How far must we go before we let go and take our hands off the steering wheel? So that was two weeks ago today. Then followed by that was Sunday, Pastor Trevor Sloss, bread and fish in the master's hands. 
He was struggling with the situation. That whole message was just, all of these messages have been amazing. But one of the things he said is, I was struggling with the situation, and I kept thinking, I refused to pray. Because he knew that if he prayed, the bitterness and the anger would have to leave. So we hear from Pastor Sverlaza talking about Jonah, how he was so stubborn. that, And he said, how far must we go before we let go take our hands off the steering wheel and pray to God. Then we hear the next Sunday from Pastor Sloss how he was struggling with this and he refused to pray because he knew what God was going to tell him. And he didn't want to hear that. Have you ever been there before where you just don't want to? I already know the answer. I don't want to hear it. Another thing Pastor Sloss said was all God wants to know is will you put it in his hands? Will you stop running and finally surrender? Whatever your bread and fish look like today, it's time to place them in the master's hands. Do you, are you hearing what the Spirit's saying here? Sunday night, Brother Judah Williams, history has its eyes on you. How is our story being written? Are we in control of the pen and paper, or are we submitted to the process of God? It's time to put the pen down. The process. The process. Oh, how we hate the process. <laughs> but we need it. And the quicker we embrace it, the better off we are. <laughs> Pastor Hammond, secret sin. Wow. Matthew 5.22, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And then he filled that message with so much good stuff. One of the things, Pastor Hammond, you said is God doesn't want us to put a Band-Aid on the situation. He doesn't want us to just look right and talk right around the right people. But God wants to bring us to the root of our problem, and he wants us to take care of it. Then one of the things you said, Pastor Hammond, was let me stop praying because maybe God will quit talking to me about my issues. Then after that was Saturday night, Sister Pack. <laughs> she opened up and spoke from her heart as a mouthpiece from God. She said, you want to know how to be made whole? In her sweet voice, being made whole is painful. Sometimes you can't get up, she said. Sometimes you got to crawl. Sister Pack honored the lady who did her wrong, smiled and showered her, showed her love. And when she did that, the nail that held Sister Pack to a wall of hurt for so many years was finally gone. <laughs> then she told us, when somebody does you wrong, it doesn't matter who is right or wrong. We've got to make it to heaven. If someone has offended you, don't sit around waiting for them to come to you and ask for forgiveness. Go to them. That was Saturday night. Then Sunday morning, here comes Bishop with murder in the church and the lost ministry of reconciliation. We've been fed so much the last seven times we've been able to gather in this house. 
And the word from God, is he's zeroing in on some of us. And sometimes I wonder in the dispensation of grace that we're living in, because we're not under the law where, man, you do something and bam, you're struck with leprosy. Or you do something wrong and bam, you're dead. We're not in the dispensation of law. But because we're in the dispensation of grace, sometimes we could hear these things over and over and over and over and not change our behaviors. Let us not have blood on our hands or blood on our mouth. Amen. So here we are tonight. I've been going six minutes. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> if you can stand with me, please. We'll go ahead and read. Stand in honor of the reading of the word, please. Matthew chapter 20, verse 24, verse 10 and 11. Matthew 24, verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. You may be seated. The title of my message tonight is The Deception of Offense. The Deception of Offense. The Oxford Dictionary definition of offense is to cause to feel upset, to be annoyed or resentful. The definition of offense in the Strong's Concordance is a stick for bait of a trap, generally a snare, a stumbling block. A couple of years back, Brother John Willis came and with the help of Brother Sloss built us a five-star chicken coop. It was the best chicken coop in all of Florida, I think. <laughs> yeah, made it strong through a hurricane even when the house was falling apart. It was designed by Bishop, and if you know our Bishop, he's all or nothing, spirit of excellence. Everything's going to be as best as his ability. I wanted a chicken coop. I went to Tractor Supply to get a $300 chicken coop. And he's like, baby, you need the best. <laughs> he got, he, uh, Brother Willis, Brother Sloss, Bishop, we got this um, chicken coop. And after a few weeks, the chickens were all settled into their Ritz-Carlton coop. <laughs> we started seeing some animal scratches in the dirt by the coop. And Bishop designed it to wear, what was that stuff called, baby? Predator apron. Yeah, so he put this predator, because he already said, predators are going to come and try and dig under the coop to get to your chickens. So we're going to put three feet, something like that, three foot feet out of this predator apron. That way when they start to dig, they're going to hit this apron and they won't be able to get under. Well, a couple days, maybe weeks into them, uh, living in their coop, we see some scratch marks going on. And Bishop and Judah uh, wasted no time to go to tractor supply, tractor supply and get a trap. 
And I say Judah and Bishop because Isaac made it known very clear from day one, he wanted nothing to do with my chickens. <laughs> he would go out there every once in a while, but he'd say, no, this isn't my deal, Mom. <laughs> this is your deal. <laughs> so uh, Bishop and Judah went out and put that trap to see what was trying to mess with our chickens. And we got some tuna, opened the count of tuna, put it in that trap, went to bed. I woke up early. And how many feet are from our back door to the coop, baby? 40, 50 yards? Okay, something. So I walked out, and I looked over, and I could see something moving in that trap. And it looked big. And it looked brown or some color. <laughs> so without going close to it, because I didn't know what was in that trap, I ran back in the house. I said, honey, Judah, there's something in that trap. And they right away do what? It's the first thing you do is grab your gun. They didn't have it on them. They grabbed it. And they said, all right, let's go. Let's see what was in this trap. They go to the trap. And lo and behold, what do you think it was? <laughs> we were hoping it was a raccoon. Did somebody say a bear? <laughs> it was a big, fat cat. <laughs> oh, as we use this trap to get the predator, the enemy has his traps too. One of the best traps is something everyone in this room has encountered, and if you haven't, you're going to, and that is the trap of offense. Going back to the definition, to feel upset, annoyed, or resentful, and Strong's Concordance, a bait of a trap. Generally a snare, a stumbling block. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3. If you have your Bibles. I have mine, I have mine marked with yellow stickies. Um, maybe. Wait, that's not the right one. There we go. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. In the NLT that says, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. The, if you look up the definition for quarreling, it's a strong argument or disagreement, typically about a trivial issue. When we begin to quarrel, we fall into the snare of the enemy and are now held as a prisoner to the devil's will. He could do what he wants. You're praying, you're speaking in tongues, you're fasting, and you're wondering what's going on. You've opened yourself up to offense. Just like that cat. We could have got that cat. He was a prisoner to our will. We could have put him in the middle of the pond and got some entertainment, watched him try to... So, 
that would have been fun to watch. <laughs> Sorry, all you cat lovers. <laughs> or we could have taken him out and shot him. Or we could have taken him out to the animal control. Or we could have just went on to 75 somewhere, Sister Collins, and dropped him off at a gas station. <laughs> and hopefully someone like, you know, someone we know might pick him up. And Yeah, I feel sorry for him. <laughs> but he was a prisoner, or she was a prisoner to our will. Now, that sounds pretty cool, cruel that we would have done that or could have done that, but that's what the enemy wants to do to us. Offense will cause us not to be able to see clearly. It distorts our vision. Usually when I'm speaking to somebody and they're offended, usually, now I'm going to tell you all and now you're not going to tell me this, but I'll say, so what's going on? First lady, listen, I'm not offended. The heavens just opened and the light just shone on you. I may be upset. What's that first definition? Cause to feel upset, annoyed, or resentful. I'm, I might be a little upset, but I'm not offended. And I may be a little annoyed with that person, but I'm not offended. Okay, so are you resentful? No, no, I'm not resentful. Okay, let's go to the definition of resentful. <laughs> resentful. <laughs> Let's see what resentful means. To feel or express indignation because of unfair treatment. But they just got done telling me how they've been treated so unfairly. But they're not resentful. They're not offended. No. You know why? Their vision's distorted. They're not seeing clearly. And we're going to go back up to the scripture we read, Matthew 24.10, if you could put that up, please. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. If we're not careful and if we hold on to defense, hold on to offense, we will be deceived. There will be false prophets that come and will deceive us. When you're offended and you stay offended, your heart soil is perfect for deception because you truly believe you are right when you are wrong. That's how we're going to be deceived, how, how not we're in Jesus' name, but that's how deception's going to happen in the last days. Offense, you know why? Because it's clear right here in our face, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and you're saying, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. You're deceived. So we go to pride. Pride will keep us from dealing with truth, and you'll never change when you think you're fine. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19.
These things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. What's the first one? A proud look. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among brethren. One of the things I've heard through the years when I hear about things trickling in the church, well, that person just came to me because they, they feel I'm a sounding board and they just needed to vent. They just needed to vent on how they don't like things going on in the church. I just needed a vent because, you know, I don't like the way leadership is doing stuff. I think it's wrong. Now, I love my leadership, but I, I just need a vent. What are you sewing? Or that Sunday school department. My goodness, I don't want my kids in that class. But I'm just venting to my sister here because, you know what, I'm just telling you, you can put your kids in that Sunday school class, but I don't think I'm going to put my kids in that Sunday school class. You know? Or how about this one? RCA? Are you kidding me? Why do I want to send my kids to RCA when those teachers don't have? I'm not even going to say it because some of you are already guilty of what I'm saying right now. All in the name of venting, we start sowing seeds of discord. God forbid. And then what's happening is you're not, you're not addressing the issues and you're Get letting your soil become perfect ground for offense. The thing with this is 9.99% of the times, the people who are venting about Sunday school, RCA, heat, whatever, fill in the blank, they... 99, did I say 9.99? 99.99, whatever I said, percent of the time, they've never went to the person and told them their frustrations. Never. Never. I'm going to go to Brother Stewart, and I'm going to tell him how much I hate transportation and how much, and, well, let me rephrase. I'm going to go to um, Sister Raymari, and I'm going to tell Sister Raymari how much I hate transportation, and then I'm going to go to Sister Michelle, and then after that I'm going to go to Brother Steve, and then I'm going to go, but I'll never go to Brother Stewart. Never. Discord. That's so in discord. When, when if we would just look in ourselves and realize that what could we be doing to help Instead of sitting in the seat of the scornful, what can I do to help that ministry? Or why don't we sit back and say, okay, God, am I being critical? Oh, no, no, I'm just saying it like it is. 
Am I being judgmental? Am I sitting in the seat of the scornful? No, no, no. Keep justifying that in my life so I can hold on to my offense. And if I'm not careful, I'll be deceived in the last days. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3. The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. Isaiah 48 and 10. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. When conflict hits us, this is our chance to, to get better. I know this is cliche, but not bitter, not angry, not envious, and not unforgiving. We need to submit to the process of God. I just told the choir this, and, and I told a couple of others. I don't remember who all I've told. If, you, if I told you, just pretend like you never heard it, okay? <laughs> there will always be somebody in this choir that comes up and they sing better than I do. They're going to sing better than you do. There's going to be somebody, Brother Kendrick, thank you, that plays better than I do. For 23 years, I played and I prayed. I said, God, if you can use anything, Lord, but would you please send a willing vessel? <laughs> and when Brother Kendrick come, if, if I'm building my own kingdom and not the kingdom of God, I would have told Brother Kendrick, no, no, bub, nope, you don't play. Go do something else. Bishop, if, if you were building your own kingdom on the base or anything else, we wouldn't have been able to start developing other people. So when people come in and they could play better, sing better, clean better, organize better, decorate better, do the yard work better, if we have the right spirit, we'll say, go for it. Let me be the wind beneath your wings. Do it. Do it. Run. Go. I'm here to help you. In Jesus' name. Don't run from spiritual resistance. It's like the palm tree during the hurricane. The storm is a chance for our root system to get stronger and deeper. That way we won't be offended and deceived. When we become trapped in offense, we open up ourselves to deception. An offended heart becomes a deceived heart. So here we are. I've been offended in the church. Have you ever heard this? The world treats me better than all those church people. the person who offends you is the one that you're close to. And we expect that from the world. The expectation of people in the world is worldly people. You don't expect them to display the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. You don't expect them to come and give you a hug and smile and shake your hand. Why? Because you're in the world. Your expectation is zilch. When you come into the church, your expectation is really high. Well, they got the Holy Ghost. They're baptized. They should be showing me love and joy and peace and long-suffering, and they should be shaking my hand, and they should be... <clears throat> Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. <laughs> Thank you. 
And that's in a marriage, too, because you can get really offended with your spouse if you're not careful. Because your expectations, you were expecting your man to be, well, I won't go there. When you stop expecting people to be perfect, you can like them for who they are. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. This is a lengthy reading. We'll read it together. I'll put my glasses on for this one. Chapter 18, verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. In one gospel it says in one day. And if we're doing that in one day, we're doing that every three minutes. So, every three minutes. Okay. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now, from my study, and I, don't, I didn't really research this a whole bunch, but the couple of places I read in, in American money right now, that would be four to five billion dollars. Four to five billion dollars. He owed him four to five billion dollars. And, but for, so, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. Now, here again, that's approximately in American money today, one-third of your annual salary. So if you make $45,000 a year, that would be $15,000. So he just forgave four to $5 billion, and now compared to about $15,000, let's just say. He owed him $15,000, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee at all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespass. Musicians, come please. I've heard it said, too, before, well, I'll forgive him, but I won't forget. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. 
This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So we want Jesus to forgive and forget us, all of our sins and all of our shortcomings and everything we've done wrong. But then when somebody asks you, you say, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Acts 24, verse 16. And herein, I'll wait for the screen. Acts 24, 16. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Offense is very deceptive. It'll make you think you're so right. That's why God puts people in your life to show you that you're not. And then you get mad at them. How many in this church, if you wouldn't mind helping me, please stand if you've been here for one year or less. One year or less. How about two years or less? Okay. You could be seated. had a dream on Thursday and in my dream I was holding baby Ian and I thought in my dream man the Hammonds let me hold their baby I don't think they let just anybody hold their baby now if you do I don't know but that was in my dream okay <laughs> I don't think they let just anybody their baby and so I was holding Ian sitting right here somebody tapped me on the back of my shoulder I said first lady you need to go in the back there's something something going on so with the baby I went to the back and the minute I opened those doors it was distraction after distraction after distraction. It was pettiness. It was offense. It was, and I was overwhelmed. And in my mind, I was holding the baby, and I was like, I've got to get this baby back into the sanctuary. I've got to get this baby back into the sanctuary. They trusted me. They trusted me to keep this baby hearing the word of God. And finally, in a panic... I just looked at everyone and I said, I've got to get this baby back in. And when I, when I woke up, I thought of Sister Thailand, Sister Sammy, Sister Jasmine, Brother Eddie, Sister Cassidy. I thought of our babies. God's trusted the Rock Church. For mighty revival.
And God forbid we are so stuck on trivial offenses that we don't take care of our babies. And God forbid that our babies, you read about in Matthew, offenses will come, but woe to them that cause it on these little ones. In your way of, of, of having your venting moments or whatever, and these babies start hearing this and picking up offense, it's not First Lady saying this, it's the word of God. Woe unto them. Woe unto them. Because we can't get along. Because we have differences. I like black. All of my clothes are black. <laughs> you like pink. That doesn't mean I don't like you and you don't like me. Bishop, do you mind coming up, sir? Because I'm about ready to say thank you and hand the mic to you, baby. <laughs> Like I said earlier, in the dispensation of grace, I pray that somehow we don't just hear the word and just keep pushing it aside. The Bible says, do we continue in sin that grace abounds? God forbid. And somewhere instead of being stirred, we've got to be changed. Change the behavior. Amen. Let's stand. I think we ought to make our way to this altar tonight. All across this house, I want us to come together tonight in a corporate response to the word of the Lord in this place. God is speaking to us in this house. God is preparing us. God is dealing with us in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you're coming tonight, the book of James says that the person who hears the word of God and does not heed, obey it, or take heed to it is like a man that beholdeth his face in a natural glass and then he walks away and straightway forgets what manner of man that he is. You understand that when the word of the Lord comes to us through his written word, through the preached word, it is a mirror that God holds up to us. And as the word of God comes forth, God begins to show us, this is you. You see, here's the deal. You can't see yourself. That's part of the problem with offense is we're focused on everybody else but ourselves. And what the Word of God does is He puts a mirror in front of you and says, quit worrying about everybody else. I want you to look at you. And the Bible says that when the Word comes forth, it's like looking into a mirror. But when we walk away 
from the word of God and we do not take heed to it. We literally cast away what God showed us. Straightway we forget what manner of man that we are. And that's why we can sit through service after service after service after service and not heed the word of God. And what First Lady preached to us tonight is that when we begin to embrace that culture of offense, we are setting and grooming our spirit for deception. We are grooming our spirit to be deceived. Some of you may remember me preaching a sermon about the autopsy of a deceased apostolic. One of the things that is almost consistently found in the backslider is offense. Offense with somebody in the church, my sister, my brother, the preacher, the leader, somebody offended me. Dear brother and sister, we don't have time to play games with God. I said we don't have time to play those kind of games with God. God's been too good to us for us to withhold mercy and long-suffering with our brother and our sister. I just need a few good amens from some people right there that know the long-suffering of God in your life. I just need a few amens from some people that know what the mercy of God is like in our lives. It's amazing. I, I, I think I made a statement a few services ago about this revival that God has trusted us with. And here's First Lady confirming that with a dream that God gave her. God's given us something so precious. and We can't let anything hinder us from fulfilling the call and the work of God that he has called us to do. Amen, Rock Church. I tell you what, a week, a week from this Sunday, we're going to have communion and foot washing. And I can't think of a better timing of God to get our hearts right with one another. To get our spirits right. To get things repented of and to get things right in our spirit. Come on. I wonder if all over this building, it's early tonight. It's not even 9 o'clock. I wonder if we could lift our hands together all across this house. And I'm not worried about the person standing next to me. I'm not worried about the person in front of me or behind me. But God, tonight, I just want to make sure that my heart is right with you, Jesus. I want to make sure my heart. Now listen, while you're lifting your hands, there is no such thing as being right with God and wrong with your brother. There is no such thing as being right with God and wrong with your brother or sister. So as your hands are lifted and you begin to pray, God, I've got to be right with you. God's going to begin to talk to some of us tonight about getting right with our brother and getting right with our sister. Come on. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we surrender ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you, Jesus. Have your way in this house tonight, God. Oh, God, we repent tonight, Jesus. God, we humble ourselves before you tonight. Oh, God. Would you forgive us, Jesus, 
for our impatience, God. Would you forgive us, God, for our lack of long-suffering, God? Lord, would you help us tonight, God, as we remove the root of bitterness from our hearts? Would you help us tonight, God, as we dig down in our spirits, God, and we grab that thing that's been a stumbling block in our spirit tonight, God? We're asking you right now, Jesus, come on, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. God, I don't want to be deceived. God, I don't want to believe my own lies. God, I don't want to be convinced that I'm right when I'm walking on a crooked path. God, humble me. God, I cast myself down in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody right now. You are important to me. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, right now, all over this place, as we continue to pray, as we continue to pray, if God's dealing with you about getting some things right, come on, this is the second time in a few days, God's giving us opportunities to make things right. Don't you worry about people watching. Don't you worry about who thinks what, who cares what. The only thing that matters tonight, uh, God, I can't push away your word. God, I can't ignore what you're trying to do, Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus, let's pray. Let's pray. I love you. I need you to survive. I want You are 
Somebody lift your voice tonight. I need you to survive. Come on, lift your voice and declare it tonight.